Hello and welcome to On the Horizon Podcast, coming at you from Dean Studios. We're an extension of Horizon Church, a relationally driven, socially conscious, Jesus-centered church located in the heart of Towson, Maryland. I'm your host, Ryan Casey, and today we're going to be doing a partner spotlight on Nicaragua, specifically Orphan Network, and I'm joined here today by several great friends. We have Bob Bingham, Cole Bingham, and Dan Francis. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. It's a pleasure. Thrilled. Good to be here. Awesome. Well, let's start by learning a little bit more about each of you. Cole, let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about like what you do for a living, what you're, where, at, where you are at in life. Sure, happy to. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, where I'm at in life is uh, I have an eight-month-old. I just put her down before coming on this podcast. Nice. Um, she fell asleep. I'm thrilled. That's my grandmother. Um, uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I work in uh, international maternal and child health for an organization called Japigo these days. Um, wow. We're an affiliate of Johns Hopkins University and... Uh, work in about 50 countries across the world doing um, NGO work um, of the sort that uh, we'll probably talk about tonight. Um, a lot of health uh, around moms and babies. Um, we do cervical cancer, HIV, malaria, kind of a really broad global health portfolio. Um, wow. And I do communications for them. So um, I manage a lot of storytelling and digital media and video videos and things like that. Well, we'll get your critiques on my style over here afterwards. Absolutely. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yep. Thanks. Dan, some people know you at Horizon Church, but tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, yes, I am the CEO of a large corporation <laughs> that does many good works. No, I, uh, I run a rock climbing gym in Baltimore. Still does good work. Um, in Hamden Absolutely. specifically, it's called Earth Checks, um, and I've been with that company for about 11 years. Awesome, so. awesome. And you have a family? I do. Uh, I have a wife and two kids. Um I did not put them to sleep before coming here. My, my wife has that fun duty um, coming up here. Um, but, yeah, I have two kids, a four-year-old named Judah and a six-year-old named Lillian. Awesome, awesome. And, Bob, tell us a little about yourself. Um, so I am um, married for over 40 years wow, now, and uh, one of my sons is here in the studio. You just met him. I have two other kids, uh, girls, and uh, three grandchildren. Wow. So that's the highlight of, of my life. That's awesome. Um, I, uh, I have two roles. My, my main role now is I'm the pastor of Grace City Church. Uh, it's a city church in Baltimore City, and uh, that's been a delight. We're 10 years old, and that's awfully fun. Um, especially because I have a co-pastor that we are co-equal in every way. Corey Barnes, some of you will know him, but uh, that really makes it fun. Uh, and then I, I own, I'm a psychotherapist as well. I own a uh, counseling and consulting firm uh, that's city-based as well uh, with a number of young young gun therapists who are doing brilliant work with mm-hmm. uh, with city families and couples. And uh, so that's, that's a lot of fun. Had a consult today where some of the team was together and uh, it was a it was a blast. So I enjoy both those things. That's a, what, remind me the name of the counseling for Vision Twenty uh, First Vision Vision dot uh, org. You can go We've definitely sent, recommended some people your way and heard great <laughs> yeah. things. So yeah. we know yeah. you're doing great work. Down and there. and it's interesting to note it's not named after the century. Twenty one <laughs> is actually the number of my boyhood hero, his sports number. And if you can guess on this podcast who I'm talking about, then you should write Ryan, and you'll you'll win a special prize. <laughs> this is actually pretty relevant to what we're talking about tonight. It actually oh, is. It's very I, relevant. Can I make story a guess? Is it too Nicaragua. late? We, have we given time for people to guess? Uh, well, I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but if, Pause but, right now if you want to guess and write it in. Is it Roberto Clemente? It is Roberto Clemente. Oh, right. Ding, I, ding, I, ding. The, pi- the Pittsburgh Pirate thing that you mentioned before we right. went on live. That's, right. think of that. That's right. awesome. Yeah, I had the honor of meeting him as a kid no and a teenager several times. And... Uh, had him in my home, and, and wow. he was larger than life. Well, and uh, what is his connection to Nicaragua? And his connection is that um, 
the year, and I believe it's uh, 71, they won the World Series yeah. uh, over the Baltimore Orioles. We should be quiet <laughs> about that. But um, he got his 3,000th hit in the final game of the season, really? series, etc. And then uh, uh, on, Jan- on, on New Year's Eve, uh, Nicaragua had had a, a stunning, horrible earthquake that had, um, to this day, um, Moved people out of their homes and into wow. to to center refugee centers, and he was uh, a Puerto Rican who was very concerned, and hmm. so he was sending supplies uh, to Nicaragua from Puerto Rico, and he was so dissatisfied with uh, hearing reports that the supplies were not getting to the people, so he said, "I'm going to board this plane and wow. uh, and make sure they get where they're supposed to go," and the plane crashed. Uh, a couple wow. miles offshore of Puerto Rico, and he was never found. So, wow. Uh, he became he was a hero before that, and right. became even more so afterwards. Wow. So great connection to Nicaragua. That, that's wow. That's fantastic to hear that connection. I I remember it being a tragedy before my lifetime, but like he, his name kind of lived on for forever. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about how Gray City and then Horizon ended up making a long-term commitment to Nicaragua and what that's looked like. Um, And we're going to kind of tell that a little bit in a story format, one that I don't even actually know the story. So we're going to kind of start with Cole here. Cole, how did you first get connected to Nicaragua? Oh, it's such a good story. (laughs) I love telling this story. Um, So at the, um, the... First year that I was in college, I went to the University of Virginia. Mm. Um, the uh, spring of 2017, um, Orphan Network uh, was a, a pretty young organization at that 2007? point. 2007? Um, 2007. Yeah. What did I say? No, it's 2017. Whew. It's funny. That's I'm that's a, a long standing tradition on this podcast is to confuse 07 and 17. So. <laughs> <laughs> I fit right in. Um, 2007, summer, uh, spring of 2007, um, Orphan Network was pretty young. Uh, and one of the first groups that they had partnered with were. Um, the Virginia universities, so mm-hmm. University of Virginia, James Madison, Virginia Tech, and William and Mary, um, all took uh, sort of alternative spring break trips down to Nicaragua. Um, so I was—I had no friends at UVA um, my first year. Uh, early on, early right, like first right. couple weeks, didn't know a soul. Um, and there was this big activity fair, and I got connected to a couple guys who uh, had been going down to Nicaragua for uh, a good long while, and. Um, I was asking them, you know, what clubs should I join? Yeah. Who should I sit with in the cafeteria? Um, is my dorm cool or not? Um, <laughs> what classes should I take? All those kind of things. And uh, they said, well, the number one thing you have to do is go down to Nicaragua. And huh. um, I said, okay, that that sounds fascinating. Um, and I, I'm not sure that I'm going to do that. That sounds a little <laughs> extreme. I, I studied French in high school. I don't speak a lick of Spanish. Couldn't pinpoint Nicaragua on a map. Right. Um, but spring break came around and... Uh, either because uh, my parents didn't want me in the house <laughs> over spring break or that was it. Um, because they were encouraging and stellar parents, they said, yeah, we really think you should go. And, and in fact, we'll pay for it, which wow. is really what I needed. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I went down to Nicaragua in the, the spring of 2007. And um, that was my first time there. Uh, that was the, the, the very first moment that I got connected. Uh, we were there for a week and I could tell story after story yeah. every every hour of that trip was a, a great story um but thereafter um I, I just kept going back so went back um, and brought some friends with me in 2008 through orphan network again uh, started leading trips for them in uh, 2008 and 2009 um and eventually started working for them in 2010 uh, when i graduated um and, and that's when at some point grace city was founded and i said hey 
Orphan Network also <laughs> partners with churches, and my dad's a pastor, and it would be great if, if we could take a vision trip or something like that. Yeah. What was it about Orphan Network that caught your heart? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I think it was the the heavy focus on people um, pretty much from the beginning, um, and, and there are a lot of stories that, that I'll, I'm sure I'll tell uh, during this podcast about this, but um, from the beginning, every trip I took with them, they said, um, you know, Nicaraguans can paint a fence, um, although I did some of that. Um, Nicaraguans can can build their buildings. Um, we can hire Nicaraguans to um, be on staff with us over there. Um, but you are um, you are human resources. You're great. Um, you know, you're great allies. You're great friends. Um, how can we connect you in in an um, impactful, important way to the people that we work with down in Nicaragua? Um, and, and so it felt more. Um, real, it, it felt more um, important, useful, um, resourceful. I, I don't know the right word for it, um, but uh, we, I always had deep, meaningful people connections, and I, I still do to this day, even having not been back to Nicaragua for, for a little while now. Um, and that was what drew me to Orphan Network was um, they were trying to do development right, and one of the ways to do development right, I think, is... Uh, connecting the people to the people and and walking alongside each other and um, kind of saying you know when when you're stuck we have answers when we're stuck you have answers and and when neither one of us is stuck we're just walking alongside each other and um, that's what drew me to Orphan Network originally. That's awesome now I mean any of you can kind of jump in and answer this what does Orphan Network do in Nicaragua like if somebody's coming coming from the outside and saying like what what is that what is it that you say you do here kind of thing like what, what would you say they do? Talk about what they, you know, in their origin, what they, sure. what they did, because it, it's evolved. Sure, because they're really brief. We'll talk about where they are now. Yeah, we'll talk about what they were doing then. Uh, I'm sure they're really brief and and probably slightly incorrect as I tell it because I wasn't there <laughs> in the beginning. But the origin story is that a, a bunch of high school students from Virginia Beach went down to Nicaragua and um, saw a need um, and, and formed this organization, Orphan Network, um, out of that trip. Um, and it, it focused on orphans. Um, yeah. that, that was the name originally. <laughs> um, and, and orphans in Nic- Nicaragua are a, a complicated subject. Um, many, many, many um, of them have families uh, who just can't support them. Um, many of them have um, either extended families or direct parents. Um, and, and for one reason or another, they're, um, they wind up in an orphanage. And there were, I think, about 80 orphanages in Nicaragua at the time. And I think that number has shrunk pretty drastically um, over the past decade. But um, so... It started in orphanages in one particular orphanage, Casa Bernabe, and then grew into um, what is today, I think, six orphanages. Mm. Um, and then um, while I was there uh, on staff, they um, were starting to work with local churches um, to run uh, what were initially called feeding programs, which is the, the easiest way to say it, and, and now are called local church initiatives. Um, and the reason for the switch is because um, it's so much more than giving kids food at this right. point. Um, yeah. It's... Uh, really holistic development, um, spiritual development, education, and nutrition um, with an eye not just to food, but to nutritious food and to food that they need to, yeah. to raise them up out of, out of malnutrition or something like that. And um, so in the beginning, it was, it was orphanages. Um, today, it's, it's work uh, across a range of ages and demographics and uh, really across the country at this point, um, still with uh, some traditional orphanage partners, um, but also growing well beyond that to encompass uh, mm. just a, a huge network of local churches across Nicaragua. That's awesome. What did what did, was your role at Orphan Network? 
I directed communications uh, nice. early on. So uh, I graduated in 2009 and called them up and said, hey, uh, you don't have a comms person. And that's <laughs> vaguely what I studied. I studied creative writing in school, um, fiction writing, children's fiction writing. And um, I called them up and said, you know, I could tell stories for you and yeah. whatever else a, a comms director might do. And uh, they took a flyer on me and um, I got to spend my time kind of split between their U.S. headquarters in Virginia Beach and just being in Nicaragua, living in some of the orphanages wow. um, and, and telling stories. Yeah. Um to a, a U.S. audience, a U.S. donor audience, to yep. partners who who would come uh, for a mission trip and then go back. Um, I mm. led a bunch of those trips, um, and that was that was my role for a couple of years with them. Was just telling children's stories, honestly, and stories of success and stories of heartbreak, and um, just giving people a chance to to see what was happening when they weren't, you know, their boots on the ground. That's huge. I mean that's amazing, Cole. And yeah. you were pretty young to be right out of the gates doing that. Oh man, kind of it was fun. Yeah. It was. They gave me some free reign, and I learned how to take pictures, and shot my first video, and narrated it myself, and wow. thought it looked terrible, and decided that I should have combed my hair before it, and all that fun stuff. So. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. So obviously, you were connected to Cole pretty early, Bob, because he was your son. But yeah. how did uh, Grace City kind of get involved with Orphan Network? So Grace City started in two thousand nine, and. Cole was just, just started, basically yeah. going to work for them yeah. then, um, first at school and then a year later on staff. So um, at Grace City, we had, it was it's it, to this day, it's a very young congregation, city-based. And for our congregation, um, the concept of, of the Monday through Saturday dimension of church was more important mm. uh, than Sunday. Sunday was the party. Sunday right. was the celebration. <laughs> Sundays just sing and hear the word. But the Monday through Saturday, that was their concern, and and we had um, an idea that that has has lasted to this day. That more than so often in church in in church history, service is is more transactional. It's we go, we serve, and then we go home, and yeah. and there's it's not a particularly relational dimension so often. And when you yeah. serve, you serve on Sundays. You don't serve on any other day. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Um, but if you and if you do, you kind of hit and run, so yeah. to speak, and that, that's and that's good, and it needs to be done. It's but we called that transactional. We had um, a desire to form generational partnerships mm. with some of the real culture killing um, issues of our world, and that included human trafficking, which I yeah. know has been on this podcast, and particularly right. domestic minor sex trafficking in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, so we got actually Araminta was launched from Gray City, and that right. so and. Uh, we wanted to do something around the education world and started a very robust, now robust, uh, after-school program called Sharp Kids. Uh, we joined an existing partnership with uh, Hope Springs to to get after the um, HIV-AIDS crisis in Baltimore, and that has evolved tremendously Absolutely. over the last 10 years. That's a whole other podcast right there. <laughs> but we wanted to have an international expression of the same kinds of things, mm. hopefully in an urban environment, and we did a lot of planning before even Cole got involved in the sense that we wanted to go somewhere that was, um, like I'd spent a lot of time in Haiti in my youth as a young life staff person, this and that. Yeah. Haiti is much more of a relief effort. Mm. Um, and we wanted to do a development effort that would lend itself to what we called a generational commitment. All of our service arenas became defined by generational commitments. So as we looked around, we, <laughs> we wanted something we could do in development. Yeah. And we wanted to do something in a... Uh, international expression that was affordable to go to repeatedly for people mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, and that was accessible to get there fairly quickly. Right. Um, 
uh, because sometimes development work needs response and, and that kind of thing. So, um, so then Cole came on the scene, and, and uh, he was my son. I was the pastor, one of the founding <laughs> pastors. And, and he said, hey, you know, with all those parameters in place, you ought to look at Nicaragua. Uh-huh. And, and really, um, as influential as it is to be in the family and have all that going on, right. it really fit that definition, Absolutely. which was kind of, you know, B.C., before Cole, in that, yeah. in that sense. Um, so Nicaragua, we can get to it quickly. We can afford to go repeatedly. And, yeah. and so many, as you know, Ryan, so many of our folks have gone four, five, six, seven times. Yeah, our, our, the head of our Nicaraguan um, board, uh, Rick Grinrod, has probably been 10 times, more right. than any of us, in, uh, other, than, other than Cole. Mm-hmm. So, so that has really fit the bill. And, um, uh, and the idea of a generational expression, we've seen it evolve. You know, it's gone, you know, we, our first um, touch was with the community in, in Chereca, the garbage dump mm-hmm. there in Managua, very urban uh, environment. And just, you know, like we wanted to parallel the Baltimore uh, urban environment. And, uh, but Chereca has since evolved. And we could talk more about that. You probably have some questions about it. But, Absolutely. Uh, but we have stayed with the same relational um, neighborhoods. Uh, as the, as they've moved, we've just moved with them. So a lot of these friendships have just continued through the through the years. That's that's pretty yeah. cool. And I think in terms of, you know, uh, how do I say this? In terms of um, being a a responsible um, church, you know, churches should be good at um, worship, right? They should be good at sharing the gospel. Um, they they should be good at at what they do on Sunday, but they don't have to be good at at international development yeah. uh, necessarily. And, and I think that's one of the keys to uh, partnering with somebody like Orphan Network is that you don't uh, you don't have to do it alone. Yeah, um, Grace absolutely. City didn't have to, to launch this thing all by themselves and establish their partnerships and um, go through all the, um, you know, the work that it takes to be good at, at something like international development. Um, and, and I think that was a crucial aspect of this is that um, Orphan Network came in and said, um, hey, we are all about a generational commitment. We're yeah. all about long-term partnerships. We're all about, um, you know, introducing a church to people in Nicaragua and, and fostering that relationship to, to have impact. Um, and we do it well, by the way. We're experts at it. Um, mm. And I think that was that was probably compelling, too. Yeah, but without a doubt. And I, you know, I, what I would recommend to pastors and churches anywhere is vet your partnerships. Because yeah. mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of stuff out there that just will not be sustainable. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we discerned early on that Orphan Network was um, um, just good at what they did, yeah. and they were going to, and they were folk, Nicaragua focused, mm-hmm. which was really cool. And um, and we knew they'd be around for a for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and and they were good at. We didn't have to invent anything. It yeah. Really right. was, Vet your partnerships yeah. and and don't make a, a partnership dependent on people. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, I never. Back then, I never thought I would leave Nicaragua. I thought right. I'd probably get married to a Nicaraguan right. and live in yeah. the country for the rest of my life. And uh, it, it so happens that I fell in love with a girl from Canada and, and moved back <laughs> to the U.S. you met her and, in Nicaragua. Um, but I met her in Nicaragua. <laughs> and, um, and, and so I, I haven't been back to Nicaragua in five wow. years, but that partnership yeah. wasn't dependent on me. And right. when Bob leaves the church, it won't be dependent on him. Right. And when Orphan Network loses its staff to, to normal staff turnover, it's not dependent on any one person. But mm. Grace City and and the the people in Nicaragua and Orphan Network will will be that triune partnership that lives long after all these people who started it are gone. Yeah, tell me like how did you guys 
go about you, you talked about the process how Nicaragua fit but what did your congregation kind of do to prepare to be involved mm-hmm. in Nicaragua I know that you sent, you sent like a vision team down you did a lot of things I've always been really impressed by your process so I'd love for people to hear about that well the pro- the process really happened a lot with um, uh, uh, orphan networks guidance that's because uh, they they said let's do a vision trip and yeah. get the get the people you need hmm. to go to go and we were still a church plant from Grace Grace Fellowship Church in Timonium. Yeah. And so a number they had a whole international team of right. staff, yeah, right? Yeah. You know that that had been all over the world doing things. Nicaragua had never been on their radar. So yeah. at that at that point, we sort of submitted to the, to that, and uh-huh. and so a number of their folks came on that initial trip, um, and a number of our folks, and and that was that was formative. Yeah. And we knew the Grace City part of the team knew. Okay, this is what we want to do, and yeah. we, in in many of the ways, Cole described the stories from that first week, still stay with me because sure. first first exposure is uh-huh. always, you know, remarkable, and yep. you remember the children you meet and the kid oh, that goodness, rides yeah. on your shoulder for an entire twenty four hour period, right. and yeah, Cole had given connections. Cole, Cole had given us yeah, great advice. Right. Said, pick up a light kid because you're going to carry this kid around for, <laughs> for the rest of the week. <laughs> That's right. The rest of the week. Uh, so the vision trip was 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 uh, was formative in our our uh, future uh, and then I, I think going forward then uh, people were excited uh, I think you know the the dimension of generational commitment that turns people on yeah. they're like I'm if that's what this is about I'm in yeah so so the initial folks that went um, they determined they were just going to be part of this thing yeah. going forward. And so many of them, unless yeah. they've moved away somewhere, right. so many of them go repeatedly, catch up with the relationships. Yeah. These kids that they met when they were five, as you know, you yeah. know they've grown up to be their teenagers mm-hmm. and older now. And yeah. it's, it's, that's, a, that's a fun dimension to service that, that sort of fills our hearts far more than anything mm-hmm. we ever give, right? It's just like Absolutely. what a— what a great growing up process that is for me, yeah. you know. So well, and there there were real strategic components to mm-hmm. that um, those initial conversations, right? Um, if I remember, and, and this was new to me, honestly, because uh, and maybe it was new to Orphan Network, or maybe they they were really expert at guiding us. But um, I remember sitting down because I was I was both a Grace City member at that point and an Orphan Network staff, and I remember sitting down with Grace Grace City folks and saying. You know, all right, here's a map of Nicaragua. Here are the places that Orphan Network needs partners, needs yeah. financial support, needs resources, wow. needs people support. What makes sense? And, um, you know, at times throughout uh, Grace City's partnership, they've pointed us to northern Nicaragua, which is really hard and inaccessible. And we've said, no, that doesn't make sense for us. We want somewhere where we can fly to and, yeah. and basically get to quickly. And, yeah. and um, that's urban. And yeah. that's urban. And, yeah. and so there were strategic conversations about where in Nicaragua, what kind of partnership makes sense yeah. for us. Is it with a church? Is it with an orphanage? What does mm-hmm. our congregation uh, have a heart for, have skills for? We had a lot of teachers in our congregation. And so trying to figure out, you know, how can we plug that dimension in? And um, I think when people think about mission trips, they think, oh, it's just a random smattering yeah. of people who go down to a country and serve another random smattering of people. And uh, it, it was so much more strategic than that. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And it was clear from the beginning, Ryan, that we, we're not going to build stuff and paint stuff. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're, it's not what we're good at anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're really going to build relationships mm-hmm. and to, to pour resources that we have. Yeah. Uh, into it, so whether we're there, you know, frankly, the the resources are far more important than the trips. Yeah. Um, but the trips serve a lot of purposes. One is to grow us up. Yeah. Uh, the main thing is to to build relationships that last. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah. And it obviously it keeps interest up on, yeah. on behalf of the church, so that uh, yeah. so that they're still into the resource issue. That's huge, Bob. I love that you you have taught me the phrase generational commitment. Mm-hmm. It's become a part of my language because of your use of it, and I love that. Explain that to people. What does it mean to be have a generational commitment to something? So when you when you look at the the real culture killing issues of the world, and then you have this church uh, that is uh, defined by its call of, from God to, to, to get involved in the world on his behalf, on, mm-hmm. as ambassadors um, uh, for God in, in these various things. What better way to, to come alongside the world but to inject yourself into these things that are, are toxic to, to people? And so, uh, but to do that just in a hit-and-run manner where you're, you're in for an hour and you come back out, that wasn't meeting uh, the desire of people's hearts. Uh, what really was meeting folks is the desire to build relationships across every line. Like mm. one of the things you know about Grace City is that um, uh, you know we're a profoundly diverse church, right. and that's you know my co-pastor is African American from West Baltimore. I'm the white guy from Pittsburgh, so we're diverse <laughs> even in sports teams, right? <laughs> and um, but but our congregation reflects that, mm-hmm. and the commitment to cross those lines every Sunday and in our service, and then take all of that into to a place like Managua, um, that, that has a profound um, growing edge for, for all of us. Yeah. Uh, so generation means we're in it for, you know, the 20 to 30 years. Yeah. Like, as Cole said, you know, I'm, I'm the old guy at church, so when I retire, it will outlive me, and, yeah. and people will still be involved. And that, that's critical. That's it's not critical. just a Bob yeah. thing, certainly not a Cole thing. It's a it's it's Grace City's yeah. friendship with Orphan Network and then all the friendships that are underneath that. And just as important, it's not a um, when things are easy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, Nicaragua went through a, a substantial period in the past couple of years of, um, of violence, of yeah. political mm-hmm. upheaval and, and violence. And um, we didn't send a team down. I don't, right. I don't know when the last Grace City team Two has years been yeah. to yeah. Nicaragua, um, but that doesn't mean that we're not still supporting right. them. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that there aren't still relationships there, that we're not yeah. in constant conversation yeah. with Orphan Network. And um, we're there when it's hard, and we're there when it's um, not as hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a key aspect of generational commitment, too, because churches are, are prone sometimes to pull out when things get hard. Yeah. Um, and, and I think a generational commitment means you don't. Absolutely. Okay, so where we are in the story now, you've sent a vision team down. You've kind of explored. Tell us about what Nicaragua was like on that trip. You know, Dan, we had, we had some history with it. Everybody knew about La Chireca. I feel like La Chireca kind of made mm-hmm. national news, international news, uh, with it just one of the ten, wasn't it wasn't listed as one of the top ten like atrocities in the world mm-hmm. or something. But tell us about the condition of Nicaragua while you're going down there, what you guys experienced, and where it was when you started. Well, Cole, tell, tell about in 2007 when you went for the first time, because that was compelling to me as your dad to hear those stories. Sure. So Nicaragua, if you look over the past decade, they've they've had a pretty steady trend upwards in terms of poverty rate, in terms of um, education rate, in terms, uh, and I should say it's a downward trend in terms of poverty rate. There are fewer impoverished people. Um, yeah. An upward trend in terms of um, literacy, <laughs> literacy, education, maternal health. Um, mm. All the indicators are are trending in positive directions. Um, but 2007 was. Um, was still a time when um, a substantial number of people, and I, I don't know 
in 2007, it was in the early 2000s that it was almost one in two people um, were living below the poverty line wow. in Nicaragua. And it's only a country of six million. So that's um, that's a substantial portion of people in a country um, to be living below the poverty line. Um, but the most, um, I- by a number of indicators, the most impoverished or, or the people at least who are most viscerally impoverished um, lived in a garbage dump in Managua, um, kind of within the city limits. Um, so think about Baltimore. I, I don't know if Managua is bigger or smaller than Baltimore, but um, a, a giant garbage dump um, that is also a community home to um, hundreds, uh, maybe thousands of people. Um, and, and those people make their living off of the garbage. So, yeah. um, you know, sifting through the garbage with these long metal pikes that look terrifying. They look like um, kind of giant spears that you mm. joust with or something mm. like that. And they, they plunge those into um, garbage. This is rotting food, scrap material, any kind of waste, usually outside of bags um, or the bags have been torn open at this point. Uh, it's hot in Nicaragua, if if you yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> when garbage decomposes, it releases methane and, yeah. and, and the methane lights on fire. And so there are fires all over this garbage dump. And it's it's just a it's a hellscape um in a very classically yeah. imagined kind of way and um kids as young as four or five are are sifting through the garbage in the same way that very old people are sifting through the garbage it's um a, a great equalizer in that community and um and then their homes are are kind of among it um slightly set off from the garbage um but certainly still in in squalor they're made of uh corrugated metal they're shacks they have you know, walls up between every little tent and shack. Um, and, and that's what you uh, walk into when you walk mm. into the garbage dump. And yeah. for years and years, uh, NGOs had uh, tried to get their arms around it, but these people aren't officially recognized by the government. Mm. Um, they had no sort of um, institutional uh, help coming from the country. Um, and, and they had no skills with which you could pull them out of poverty and, and set them up with something else. They knew how to recycle and right. earn their living that way. And um, and they had a strong sense of pride in their community. They had yeah. a strong sense of love in their community. Their families had grown up there for generations. And um, so it was, it was the most viscerally impoverished place I, I had ever walked into, certainly. Yeah. And I think most people in Grace City had ever walked into. And, um, and, and that's... Uh, one place that that Grace City tried to wrap their arms yeah. around, there was a school um, that had been set up by some missionaries right in the middle of the trash. Yeah. Um, big, tall walls and barbed wire around those walls. And then you walk into the school and it's it's clean. It's dirt floors and their desks are falling apart, but it's clean. And there are teachers there who want to teach and wow. um, kids there who can get a snack if they need a snack, um, who can get clean water if they need clean water um, and, and go and learn. And, and so the very first partnership was with that school and the church that was uh, also a part of that um, and serving um, that that community and the church was called El Faro, which means the lighthouse in Spanish. I um, love that. Or if you speak Spanish and I'm wrong about that, please no, that's right. send me an email. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure it means the lighthouse, and there was a lighthouse painted on the wall of the church, and um, and, and that was the the first thing that that we sort of glummed onto and said, this is a partnership that makes sense yeah. to us. Uh-huh. Um, this is. Uh, not only a place that we can have impact, but this is a place that we feel, you know, morally, ethically, spiritually called to um, be with these people. Yeah, that's huge. So, okay, so this is darkness. I mean, this is real darkness that mm-hmm. you're about to lead a group of people from your church down into. How do you go about 
preparing your people to make a generational commitment. You know, this idea that you're going to kind of be going down every year, multiple times a year that you're going to, how did you go about preparing your community for what they were going to face? Well, it it was sort of easy in the sense that that Orphan Network is really good at preparing. And we sort of just surrendered to their orientation. And uh, they they talk about you're going to, fall in love with kids but you can't adopt them and bring them <laughs> right, home right. no Families. one brings a child home and because, check your, you know check everybody's and if you don't at least say that people are plotting you know right. to, to do um because there are a lot of things that are unhelpful right <laughs> taking children from from the country is is unhelpful yes, yes. um uh, unless through a very specific adoption service right, um right. you know uh, sobbing breaking down on your knees and just sobbing in the midst of this community is right. unhelpful because yeah. people have a lot of pride in this community yes. yeah. building relationships is helpful um you know uh, being prayerful during your experience in this community is helpful and looking for ways that you can impact is helpful and so we tried to coach people on what is helpful and and what is not helpful and and that was you know the people on the trip outside of the trip um it's coaching a congregation on um, what are the needs why are we involved specifically here why has god called us specifically here who's the team that sat around and prayed about this for months and months and said yes this is where we're called um it's sharing all those kind of specific details and strategic decisions around that. And then when you share that with the congregation, uh, I don't know if this is your experience, Ryan, but they get on board with it. Right. Um, you tell them, hey, God is calling us to do this. And a lot of people who you trust mm. and, and know and are friends with prayed about this for months. Mm. And and this is what we decided on. And this is what we're going to throw our arms around. Awesome. We, we had the uh, access to the book that many of your listeners will know about, When Helping Hurts. And, and that, right. you know, that's one of those rare books that comes along when the title almost alone is enough to help orient people like <laughs> yeah. oh i don't want to be part of that you know I, n- nobody going says i want to go and and, and, and hurt so, <laughs> right. yeah i want to hurt positive. people make things harder <laughs> yeah. for people who are in tough uh, because because you know short term missions the history of short term yeah. missions coming out of america has some real toxic mm-hmm. uh, dimensions to it and we we didn't want to further any of that and yeah. and it's that's always something to navigate and yeah. keep you know like Everyone who goes reads that book just right. just to get that in their head that we're not going to do the kinds of things that Americans love to do, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we're going to submit and surrender and learn what God has for us from from our friends there. And uh, so you know you go through lots of funny things and lots of stories <laughs> and lots of you know. And one of the things I felt like I had to do at the beginning was to meet with some individuals, particularly older folks who were getting, you know, by older people, you know, our church is so young, but, you know, anyone in their 40s, they, they'd want to go right and they'd want to start something when uh-huh. they're, you know, oh, let me start a ministry and yeah, let me, yeah. let me do this and let me, you know, and we'll do this, we'll do this. And, and you can always find people who are like, you know, if you're yeah. going to bring the money, yeah, we'll start that. And, <laughs> but Orphan Network was a great screen mm-hmm. for all that stuff. And so I would just push people back that way. Yeah. Uh, Cause otherwise it, it can get out of, it can get out of hand pretty Absolutely. quick. Um, yeah. So, Without we 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 don't, in no way any of us are trying to criticize what other churches have done or nope. other ministries have done, nope. but I do think it's important to give like a for example so that we can understand the philosophy behind like when helping hurts. Like, um, and any of us can. We've all read the book. We've all been to Nicaragua. What what are some of the pitfalls that are easy to fall into, and and how is how is the philosophy of Orphan, Orphan Network intentionally different, and really the philosophy of when helping hurts? Like, let's try to explain that to people. There's no one single great answer to that. <laughs> Read the book is the yeah. answer. Um, but it, it, the best answer is, the best example is probably building things. And and I've, I've said that uh, already on this podcast, I think. But um, 
doing things that, that Nicaraguans can do for themselves um, right. is is not a great replacing the people that you're trying to help is not a great way to do things because um, it takes away a job that you could pay someone to build something it takes away a job income for it them. takes away self-efficacy right. it yeah. takes away absolutely um, power it takes away esteem yeah. um, you know when you're going in even even really simple things when you're going in and feeding a kid how does the father who can't provide for that kid right. feel um, and what does that d- do to the family dynamic then yeah. um, what does that um, due to the mother, what does that do to the kid who mm. no longer sees her parents as providers, but sees these white guys who came from this church right. and yep. and now are gone? Um, so, so those kind of very concrete things are examples of development that can be, when not done strategically, very poor. And and there's a place for building things. Of course. Um, and and there's um, there's a lot of impact that can come from that. Um, but that's that's an easy example of of. Yeah, when no. helping hurts. I would say another one, and and we vetted this with Orphan Network on the front end, is is the model for sponsoring children. And there's there's a number of different models out there. Uh, what we like about the Orphan Network model, uh, and and they're not the only group that does it this way, but it was important to us. Yeah, uh, is that when you sponsor a child. Uh, the, the beauty of it for me, you know, I have a relationship with four or five kids now that we've sponsored yeah. through the years. Um, and they can come and go because their life circumstances yeah. change, and and they're that's a, that's another story. But but the model, the, like any uh, money we pledge toward that child, really is more symbolic. Yeah. Um, the money <laughs> is the child doesn't receive a hundred dollars every right. month in their pocket, <laughs> or, or this child doesn't get all the benefits, and, and the then the kids around them, right, and it, you because know. this is a cute child, and <laughs> the other one is exactly. not a cute child. Right, right, exactly. Right. So yeah. you know, so the money goes to to the orphanage community uh for a variety of things Mm -hmm. and when you have the great partner like like orphan network and and the way they oversee the orphanage uh, operation then you trust that that you're so you have this beautiful kind of symbolic relationship and you you know and you get to know the kids you get to you meet them you they they love you back all that stuff but you know that your money is being used in ways that uh, that support the entire community so that communal model was really important to us that's huge. And, I mean, and one of the things I love about the way that it was set up through Orphan Network, through Grace City, through how you did this is like when you come down there, like it's really the Nicaraguans doing the work and it acknowledges that it's the Nicaraguans doing the work. It's not like you're kind of coming in to kind of have a hero moment, but instead you're like really supporting the staff who for 52 weeks of the year are pouring out their hearts and their souls because they're living in this every day. Like it's easy for us to come in and do so little of the work and take so much of the glory and that's just so backwards um so i really love that like it is really coming to undergird the workers who are and like and encourage and to build them up and to give them the resources to do what they're already doing well um and i think that's just a beautiful picture of what what we should be doing in short-term missions in any way and like uh uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll come back to more about where it's at now, but it's beautiful. Just the importance of relationships. Um, you know, we talk about when helping hurts. When helping doesn't hurt is, is typically when you're in a strong relationship yeah. with um, with your partner. And I keep coming back to that because you quickly find out in a relationship with any Nicaraguan that the vast majority of your ideas that you flew down on the plane with uh, are terrible. Right. Um, and they have some great <laughs> ideas. And and how can you collaborate on their ideas? And um, I think the the end goal of a, a generational relationship, and maybe it'll take more than, than a couple generations, but the end goal is, um, is that, you know, right now there's inequity in 
Um, we can fly down and enter into a relationship. They can't fly back to us and uh, host seminars for us right now. Um, but the end goal is that there'd be an, an equity in um, the answers that they can bring to us and the answers that we can bring to them and the relationships that that can go back and forth yeah. um, in these very different places, um, that there'd be some sort of, I don't know, equality there, would you say? Sure. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, and that can only happen if you if you start with the starting point of a there's relationship. A, there's a relational equity. Mm-hmm. So from our church, we'll have groups of four or five different um, professions, for, yeah. for lack of a better. So we'll have teachers go, and they meet with their teachers, and they learn from each yeah. other. Um, and we'll have psychologists go because we got a bunch of those at my church, uh, and uh, and but they have psychologists at the orphanage, and we right. and we meet with them and support each other, and and sometimes you're working through, uh, you know, tra- traumas that they're dealing with with the children, and and you come alongside and and mm. and you support each other, and they're the same traumas yeah. children that we work with have, and and it's hard, it's such yeah. a hard work, or or we'll have uh, business folks, and they'll go and talk about you know setting up small businesses, and right. and, and have accountants that go and talk about how, how do you how do you manage the startup of a yeah. you know, so it really becomes a uh, an equitable exchange uh, yeah. which contributes to 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 growth for all of for everybody yeah. for everybody that's huge bob you started you already started to answer this but i wanted you guys to kind of paint a picture <clears throat> for like okay cuz a lot of times when i'm picturing a missions trip it's like a bunch of high school kids going down and they're building something and they come back and that's mm. meaningful and it's mm-hmm. especially meaningful for the high schoolers you right. know what i mean the ones who went but like you guys bring a bunch of young professionals from an urban environment leaving their jobs down into nicaragua and they're there for a week and then they come back like what do they what do they bring to the table you know you started to mention somewhat what do they do all day and like you know and how does it benefit both sides i guess would be the, some of that question mm-hmm. yeah it's it's very different than the picture you you painted right. Uh, so, and the days the days vary. Uh, me, medical groups, we have a lot of medical people as well. We can can help support, uh, and even do mini clinics, which yeah. can can cover a whole lot of bases. You know, that happen once a quarter, things like that. So, uh, folks will participate in a variety of ways. I, I think the the basic thing is is together, folks meet children. Uh, you know, we're partnered with a school that was the same school right. that was in the dump, and now that that entire community. Like one of the things we didn't mention it, but um, you know, this is such a God thing. When when we went, one of our generational commitments was we talked and prayed about, and we didn't know how it would happen, but um, that we would be part of, partner in whatever small way we could, helping the the community of people. Which Cole, I mean, it was several hundred families, several thousand people. Is yep. that fair? That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, nobody's taking a census in the dump, right. but they literally <laughs> aren't recognized as people at yeah. this point. That's right. In the partnership, um, but to help that community some way somehow move to sustainable housing and have a you know yeah. uh, outside of the dump yeah outside right. of the dump and so that would be you know if that happened in the generational commitment mm-hmm. that would be awesome well it happened three years later right. wow. and you know i'd like to say it's because of grace city but <laughs> but it wasn't it was for you know a myriad of partnerships including big money from from the span the government of spain as i understand it um, because anyone who would visit would be like, oh, this has got to stop. You know, yeah, so it, yeah. it's, it's not, you know, it just hits your heart. Mm. Um, and where, now, where was I going with that? Uh, so we take teachers, <laughs> yeah. we take therapists, yes, we take you. medical people, <laughs> young professionals, old professionals. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I just think when when you send high schoolers to another country, um, the, the vast majority of the impact is going to fall on them. Um, yeah. and, and that's fantastic. Um, but but you don't need to to send high schoolers and expect them to 
um, have an educational impact or a small business impact because they don't have the skills for that. Yeah. Um, how do you have a, a small business impact? Um, you send people who are really good at business and have been doing it for 30 right. years. And um, we had those people in Grace City and all it took was an ask, hey, this yeah. is this is a, a, a relationship that's important to us that we think could be on your heart too. If it is, would you come down with us? Yeah. Um, and, and not would you come down with us to build a building or paint a fence or... Um, or even put kids on your shoulders for a week. Would you come down with us and bring your small business skills and yeah. impact this small business that we've vetted, that um, is already going, that a bunch of Nicaraguans are running, and we think you have some skills that could gel with some of the things that they're looking to learn. And that was kind of the model that that we followed for for the vast majority of our trips. Which is awesome. I mean, I you know, having been a few times, it's great to see like teachers have teachers conferences. I think teachers up here are probably tired of professional development because it's so poured over them. But when you think about how little resources most places have for professional development, a chance to sit with other teachers and to discuss what do you do with the problematic kid who's stealing the educational experience from everybody else? Like, you know, like and just to share ideas and to have like techniques and to, I mean, it's just so powerful to help them do their job better and to help our people do their job better. Our people come back with different ideas because the classrooms, kids are kids everywhere. You Cla know? Classroom management right? is, it's a, a big deal. is a huge topic of yeah. conversation. You know, Absolutely. Uh, and then when, those when teachers come home and, and they're not Facebooking with the, you know, 10 year old that they met on the trip. They're right. Facebooking with the teacher that they met That's on the trip exactly and they're right. sharing right. teaching yeah. tips with each other. And, and, you know, the teacher in Baltimore is talking about how hard it is to manage her class and the teacher in Nicaragua is sharing the same thing and they're yeah. crying together. And, that's and that's the that's the model that we want. I yeah. think we had a on our last trip, um, uh, a child life specialist from Hopkins. Uh, and if you know, child life works with children who are chronically ill or terminally ill to uh -huh. to help they and their families um, uh, navigate that process. You know, it's a difficult. Thing. Well, when when she came on the trip, we had um, a, a child dying of cancer in the in the orphanage, and the staff were as as broken as we are when yeah. children are dying, and yeah. and so to join that that uh, you know professional expertise with with the staff and to come together around that and to cry together and to yeah. pray together and to come around this little girl and i mean that was that that, that stays with you that's oh, one of those yeah. stories that will stay with me forever those yeah those meetings yeah <clears throat> yeah what one of the things i love about how the trips are set up is like when you come down you kind of have like your skill sets that you use and they know how they're going to use you kind of before you get there but you also play different roles like you know mm -hmm. i remember one day you know in the course of a couple of days one day I was serving the medical team because I had nothing to offer medically. And I was like a courier between like the doctor and like their you little were pharmacy. Drugs, right? I was literally, yeah, I was literally <laughs> carrying like, role. like, yeah, you know, making sure it got to the right people. And then like, and then the, like the next day you're helping like run kids games with the people who know what they're doing with kids. But then the next day I'm on point for like a pastor's conference, you know, and like, and we're kind of like doing that. And then I'm going that night to watch Bob do like a, a seminar for, you know, on, on just like psychology and marriage counseling basically you were like helping people to be like their marriages to be healthier and stronger and like how powerful is this like this myriad of things that we're bringing and sometimes I, i'm just totally just in the behind the scenes because i have nothing to offer your that. servant right that's pretty and, biblical and, that's, and, and exactly <laughs> but like the way it rotates is so powerful and the way the team works in conjunction is so powerful and some days some people are going here and some people are going there and i remember in my whole first trip because of where i was placed i didn't see la Chireca. Mm, i remember yeah. thinking like i didn't even see this big astronomical thing that everybody talks about in nicaragua and yet it was so like profoundly impactful for me 
Thank you so much for joining us for part one of our spotlight on Nicaragua. Please listen to part two in order to catch the rest of the interview.